expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, exploring solutions for life today. A presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Meaner, meaner. Monty! Dave Fleming! What's happening? Welcome to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life. Today, 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 today. Not yesterday, today. Zippity doodah. Well, welcome to the show. Hey, Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave. Deja vu. Dave, Dave, hey, Monty. Dave, 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 no. Nah, it doesn't work. No. Ah, wait. Yeah, I'll just, just call me Vid. Vid. Vid, Vid, Vid. So um, the topic uh, this week, uh, we asked the question on social media, why are you going to work today? I mean, what is going on, Dave? What are you, why are you going to work, man? And uh, as a segue to the topic, what is the purpose of our work? And uh, the reference uh, scripture that we're looking at is 2 Thessalonians 3.10, which we'll, we'll tell you what that is here in a minute. Um, but interesting question. Why are you going to work today? And it seems... You know, it, 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 the knee-jerk reaction answer is, well, i got to pay my bills. What are you, nuts? You know? Because uh, <laughs> i got to keep the man off my back. got to keep the man. Yeah, yeah. i got to pay for my I booze, have to. baby. i got to pay for my booze. i got to. I, the man wants his tax money. Yep, yep, yep. He wants his pound of flesh, so I have to go to work. So there may be more to this than than that. You Ho- think? Hopefully. You think? But before stay we... Stay tuned. Stay tuned, because Don't. we... Turn that dial. Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it because we're going to have some fun with this, right? Coming up. Oh. It's time for Dave and Monty's Icebreaker. Ouch. Ugh. I need a Band-Aid. Yeah. Band-Aids. Now. Th- now. See? <laughs> what? Band-Aid. Dave just showed me the finger that his Band-Aid's on. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> you're, you're have a, a degenerative mind. I, well, I do, and I'm kind of proud of it, sort of, maybe. Maybe I need to work a step around that one. Should I go like this? Yeah, no, because... I, I have to turn it up so you can I, hear it? <laughs> I knew a guy, a good friend of mine, Larry Barons. He was like 18 years old. He I'll worked in, in worked in Yosemite with me when I was managing uh, assistant manager at the cafeteria, and he broke his middle finger and they had to put it in a splint. So he was a busboy. So he's walking around with his hand in the air because they told him to keep it elevated. Right. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. I, I've had uh, I've had one of those before myself. Have you? Yeah, lovely. Splint on my middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Washington State. This comes out of Washington State. Let's just uh, just 
a tad north, huh? Just a tad north, yeah, not too far away. Hey, Dave, have you ever taken your wallet out of your pocket and left it on the counter somewhere at the restaurant or at the store? Or maybe it fell out of your pocket and you had to go back and get it. Or you ever done that? You're kind of covering a lot of ground here, Monty. Have you ever left your wallet behind unintentionally? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, a young man thought it would be a good idea to go shopping for new wallets at the uh, Walmart in Moses Lake, Washington, last week. Yeah. Nothing good happens at Walmart. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Wallets is the key word here. Uh, 23-year-old Jason had a mission last Saturday when he entered the Walmart store and sauntered on over. He sauntered, Dave. What, what does that look like? Sauntering? Or what does that sound like? He dumped on over to the jewelry section where the men's wallets were on display. It seems that Jason wanted to see if the wallets he was shopping for would be a good fit, so he took out his old wallet, laid it on the shelf, and proceeded to try out the new prospective wallets in his back pocket to decide if they fit his derriere properly. As he tried out each wallet, uh, very carefully, he shoved each one everywhere he could. Other pockets, down his pants, some under his shirt. In fact, our genius took so many wallets that he cleared out the entire first shelf. All except one wallet, Dave. Gee, which one was it? His own. His own. Uh, Jason left the retail giant in quite a rush and drove off, hopefully never to return. But as luck would have it, our thief was pulled over just a few feet from the Walmart parking lot by a local traffic cop for reckless driving. And when he was asked for his license and insurance, well, Jason became painfully aware that he had left his identification behind in his wallet in the Walmart. So Jason did what many of us might have done in that situation he gave the officer a false name. By this time, store security, who witnessed Jason get into his car and drive off, was now walking towards the police officer and Jason with Jason's wallet in hand. Uh, sir, <laughs> sir, <laughs> did you sir, forget something? <laughs> did you drop something? Of course, Jason's true identity was discovered, and the rest of the story just didn't fare well for our silly young shoplifter, but I'm sure Jason has learned a valuable lesson. If you're going to steal, don't leave your wallet at the Walmart. Well, do what I do. I put my wallet in my front pocket. Do you? Yes. Yeah. If I'm in a crowd or something or going somewhere like a concert, I usually do that. Well, I I learned the trick a long time ago. and It throws your back off, especially if you do a lot of sitting. Yeah. You put wallets in your back pocket. Oh, right. You got to... A lump on one side, you're going to lean yes. to one side or the you other, are. and it's going to throw your back out. It's going to throw your spine out. So we get some helpful health tips here. On oh, wow. Do you, do you pack your wallet tomorrow. full of stuff and then have to clean it out every so many months? I do. Yeah, I do too. Mine gets really fat, and then it's like... Well, I have this mm. uh, I have this new newer wallet. It's not new, but uh, it's one of those ones that you... Uh, the, the would-be criminals can't yeah. scan your... Scan your cards. Scan your cards from right. coming up next to you. It's got a thing in there, and it zips up. Yeah. So I can only put so much in there, and then it won't zip up anymore. So I know once it gets to that point, then it's time to clean it out. Time to clean it out. 
you know, collect all those all the receipts and coupons and all that you you collect. So guys that collect receipts that they'll never use to to the point to their wallets get really fat, is that gateway hoarding? Maybe. Why would you keep a receipt that you're never going to use? I don't know, but I shove them in my wallet and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm just wondering if I'm in danger of becoming a hoarder. Well, if you practice emptying your wallet once a week, then no, I would say you're not. Well, it's usually about once every three months, <laughs> actually. All right, well, that does it for our little uh, zippity doodah icebreaker. Squirrel! All right, we'll be back with the topic right after this. Don't go away. Introducing Oregon Recovers, an inclusive statewide coalition comprised of people in recovery, their friends and family uniting to transform Oregon healthcare to ensure world-class prevention, treatment, and recovery support services for Oregonians suffering from the disease of addiction. To join the effort in transforming Oregon into the recovery state, visit us at www.oregonrecovers.org. Oh, hey, bud. Where, uh, where are you headed? Uh, just gonna hang out. It's a school night. With Gary and Todd? Yeah. Not sure about those two. I've been meaning to ask you. This is tougher than I thought. Is there any drinking going on in this crowd? No. I hope not, because alcohol can lead you to say things and do things that you really wish you hadn't. Isn't this what you're supposed to say? I know. So if any of your buddies ever pressure you to take a drink, just tell them you promised your dad you wouldn't. I'd do anything to keep you safe. Okay, I will. I hope this is working. I promise. Love you too, Dad. They really do hear you. Brian. Yeah? So start the conversation even before they're teenagers. Good idea. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. those headbanging guys for some more solutions for life today. Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Welcome back, Dave. Yeah, here I am. Yes, there you are, and there you now shall be. Uh, welcome back to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life today with Dave Fleming. Ing, ing, ing. So the question was posed, uh, why are you going to work today? And the topic this week is, what is the purpose of our work? Take it away, Dave Fleming. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like dead air. <sighs> oh, yeah. So the, this, uh, I ran across this this uh, uh this reading and i thought this is this is uh, kind of important because i used to think about like what is you know what, what is the meaning of going to <laughs> yeah. say what is the meaning of life but yeah, yeah we want that's a whole different what's the meaning of going to work uh, <laughs> it's like i really don't want to you know get up today i really don't want to um but that has changed over time it it's changed from 
uh, have to yeah. to I uh, get to. Let me let me ask you something before you go on, though. Let me ask you a question. As somebody that probably more than dabbled in in substances that were probably not the best for your bod. What's dabble? <laughs> yeah, what's dabble? That's like having one sip, right? Um, were were you the kind of guy that that kept your job and kept working to help pay for your addiction, or were you the guy that did everything he could to supply his addiction without working? <laughs> Where do I start? Because <laughs> there's I've heard stories of both, right? Well, <clears throat> yeah, and for me personally, I kept I I got stuck in my addiction part. The main thing was because I didn't, I was never going to uh, admit that I was powerless over anything. Right. I wasn't in control of anything. I was in control of everything. Sure. So, yeah, that was problematic. I always had a job, uh, always, or at least appeared to take care of things, right? It's usually just what what do I, what do I absolutely have to take care of today? Mm. Uh, and so I take care of that and the rest, you know. Sure. If I owe rent, uh, can I work it off? Is there some stuff you need me to do around here? You want me to frame up, you know, the, right. you want some new siding on the house? I can work it out. So I'd always try to work on some some deal. That was even before I got into my addiction my addiction pretty heavily. Once I got into that, it was uh, uh, they both kind of went hand in hand. You know, unfortunately, where I worked in construction, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, I worked in the construction field. Uh, for about, I don't know, 20 years or so. Yeah. And uh, it lends itself to a lot of drug and alcohol uh, abuse, mm. addiction, et cetera. A lot of people uh, in construction, I remember growing up, my, my dad would say, look out for the guys who paint your houses, the painters. They're always drunk. I mean, and I thought, wow, gosh, that's kind of unfair. But then I found out that there were a lot of people that were painting that we're drinking. So construction is kind of like that, huh? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, yeah. So I was, you know, supplementing my income, um, supplying my coworkers with party favors. <laughs> if you party know what I mean. favors. <laughs> you know, including my boss. And, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, it got ridiculous. We were at. They had this, this one place I was working at. It was a high right. We were building this uh, embassy suites, uh, and on the, on the in the same, I don't know, street field whatever. It was just basically this open area. Right at the time, now it's all built up, and they had this little satellite bank that they built temporarily there. And we used to, you know, my purpose was to go to work, and you know kind of do a job and get paid for it and then also supplement my income and stand out there at the end of the week and collect paychecks. Um, ah. So that was my purpose at that particular time. Ah, okay. Um, so you had your hustle going on. Yeah, it's just, you know, just a bunch of nonsense looking back on it. Uh, yeah. So anyway. So I got to the point where it was like, a, you know, the old proverbial work harder so you can buy more drugs so you yeah. can work harder so you can to buy, buy more, more drugs. drugs right then it was you know just sell drugs and then you don't have to work 
Oh. That was my job. Gotcha. So you went from being an honest dope fiend to being a dishonest dope fiend. Dishonest? What do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, you were working a job, a legitimate job, to pay for your addiction, and then you started selling drugs to pay for your addiction. Well, what's, it's still a job. What's dishonest about no. that? <laughs> Yay! See how we can, we can justify. <laughs> I was an honest drug dealer. What can I, I say? I, yeah, I get it. That was 28 years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. Back when dinosaurs were twenty eight or no, it's probably been more than that. Yeah. Thirty years ago. Twenty uh, between twenty eight and thirty years ago. So yeah. I am no longer doing those things, so if there's any police listening and <laughs> <laughs> Come on in guys, he's here, he's right here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have an allergy. <laughs> Every yeah. time I use drugs or drink I break out in handcuffs. <laughs> Anyway, sorry about that, uh, chasing the squirrel there. Yeah, yeah. I was just curious. So, yeah, I, I basically held down a job, and I was a what you might call, or what's been called a functional yeah. addict, alcoholic, whatever. Um, I even got to the point where <clears throat> I was, I had it down to a science. I, I got a job at, I was working for uh, some uh, temporary agencies. So I could go in and I could go and work for X amount of time to the however long the gig lasts. Uh, and I was in the music business at the time. And so if I needed to take off to do a show or something, I could just take mm-hmm. off and come back and I have a job. Well, it also worked when I got, you know, if it got to the point where uh, I felt I was being hassled too much or too many questions, then I could just I could just leave and go to another job, you know. Um, it kept, I, I was stuck there for a while because I was good at what I was doing. I was kind of the fix it guy. So any job that went kind of sideways, right? they would call me in and come and fix it and smooth over the waters. So it kind of, you know, it was, it kept me st- kind of stuck in that routine for a while. Sure. A little longer than I thought I would want to. Uh, but you know, yeah. So I don't know if that answers all your questions, but yeah, it pretty much does. Um, yeah. I had to get to the point, you know, eventually that, uh, you know, um, uh, it, the drink and the drug was more important than than going to work. Sure. You know. Yeah. And then uh, then getting into recovery, and then looking at okay, oh geez. I spent, you know, all this money and all this time and I needed to like fix things and get back on track and, you know, put some money in the bank account, you know, and starting my life over at age 37. What am I, how's that look? So, you know, I, I got to make as much money as quickly as possible, you know, so mm-hmm. I can pay off all my debt so I can have, put some money in the bank and I could put some money aside for future for my wife and kids, make sure they're taken care of. So <clears throat> that was kind of the plan early on. And then I, as I'm continuing working on my recovery, it just, you know, I looked at it like this is, money isn't, <clears throat> money hasn't always been my friend. And right. so it's not super important. You know, I, 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 I looked at family and relationships with, with other people even though I isolated myself quite often, yeah, uh, as being more important 
than than having money. Kind of the quality rather than the quantity. <clears throat> and so I became a drug and alcohol counselor. Oh, there's lots of money in that, Instead of a computer programmer or something. You're going to get rich in that field. You betcha. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and I've said this before, and (laughs) you've probably heard me say this, that if I didn't have bills to pay, if I didn't need money, I would do this for free. I I get it. I totally get it. It's that that one time when you, you you show up and you someone says, hey, whatever you said that day, you know, changed my life and now I'm not going to go kill myself. First time I heard that, it like changed everything for me. It's like this all of this has been worth it. Sure. Just by sharing my experience, mm-hmm. someone else got something out of it and it changed their life. It saved their life. Uh, then I was like, this is worth it. All, well all and, and, and and the statement here that that we have is have you have you noticed something about young people today? They seem to be hung up on security. It's so obvious. Get a job, get an MBA, get a big house, and so on. That I wonder if our generation has done something wrong. Uh so I I've talked to people my son's age, he's in his early twenties, and there does seem to be this over enthusiastic move towards what we would have called when I was growing up, keeping up with the Joneses. Right. You know, and, and, and the passion seems to not be in, in, in the service you're providing as much as it is in what you can get out of it. Well, it, it, our society has changed from this kind of working mentality. It's like you put in your, you put in your dues, you do the work, you know, and you, you move up and whatever it is that your right. field is now. And, and it's over the last 20 years, probably that, uh, you want to find the shortest route to the biggest pot of money that you can find. So that's drug dealing. It's trying to be a musician or uh, a sports, you know, some kind of sports uh, athlete, uh, movie star, something. Everybody wants to get rich quick. They want to go from, from point A to, to point Z in 200 miles it, per hour. As I mean, le- least boom. amount of right. effort and time as possible. And so I was listening to one of my colleagues the other day and somebody had asked him and he's a talk show host. He asked him, uh, how did you get where you're at today? And his remark was entry level job, right? It's the old tortoise in the hair. Uh, routine, you know? Yeah. It's a slow and steady event. Yeah. That's how it was when I was growing up. You, 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 uh, if you wanted to do something, you want to earn, learn a trade, you go work in the trade. You didn't like go to a class. Yeah. You basically, you went on the job and you started sweeping the floor and emptying the garbage, and then you started. You moved up from there, and maybe you learned something of what you're doing, and then you, if you want to, you know, expand that, you you may want to go to trade school or, you know, maybe go to MBA or whatever it is mm-hmm. if you're in mm-hmm. business. Um, and you were, you, you got paid whatever they, they offered you. And then as you developed and, and learned the skill and get, did well at it, you got compensated, you know, appropriately. Right. right. <clears throat> I remember this is, you know, this is probably probably 16 years ago now when I was doing, I had my own construction business and I was trying to make a go of it. Um, and you know, put people to work. Mm-hmm. 
And everybody that I found, um, <clears throat> the younger people, uh, basically came with no experience and wanted to get paid $22 an hour or $20 an hour. You know, and this is 16 years ago. Yeah. Versus, you know, you come in, you get paid whatever the pay is. Entry level. Minimum wage. Yeah. Or, you know, 10 bucks an hour, whatever. I usually pay my guys 10 bucks an hour to start, which is pretty good at the time. And <clears throat> I couldn't get anybody to either work or even uh, apply because they all wanted to make more money. I said, you're not going to make that kind of money without experience. You know, right. So, right. I ended up doing a lot of work on my own. Sure, I did. I couldn't afford to pay somebody that that didn't have an experience that kind of money. Well, see, I always want to ask somebody. Okay, they say, you know, do you, they, the people that admire where their parents have come, gone from, and come to. Oh, my dad is doing this now. He's the CEO of his company or whatever, and I want to do that. And it's like, what makes you think that you? can get where your dad is at without doing the work your dad had to do. Right. And the answer sometimes is because I, I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Call that entitlement. Really? Yeah, and then you got to ask the question, why do you th feel that you deserve it? Right. Right. Because you're special? Because you're unique? You know, I, I like I like the idea that our 12-step fellowships have. I mean, there's, there is a... There's a philosophy in there that says, you know, if you want, if you really want to do a wonderful thing, learn to pour the coffee and scrub the toilets. Right. First things first. First things first. You bet. But we've lost some of that. Well, I guess it, it's, uh, you know, just greed is behind, I want to say all, but there's probably a. A small percentage. Sure. A single digit that is not about greed, but for the most part, our society is all about greed. Yeah. You know? Yep. What can I get out of every, you know, prices are every all the prices on everything are jacked up so high. Things that things have gotten out of control and they don't have to be. Second Thessalonians three ten basically just says the one who is unwilling to work will not eat. Exactly. So it's a biblical principle. Right. You want to eat? A man's worthy of his of his hire. Right. And and you work. And I'm sure somebody can come up with the argument. Well, you know, if I'm in school <clears throat> full time, I can't I can't I can't work. I, I get student loans so that I can pay for my food. Right. Right. And how many people are out there that have degrees that are useless or that they're never going to put into use? Oh my gosh! It's thousands of, and they have they're in debt up to their eyeballs. Right. I know tons and tons yeah. of people, younger people that, you know, the whole idea is like, you got to go from high school to college and get your degree and get out there and, you know, uh, you'll make a lot of money. Get your degree and you'll make a lot of money. Well, that's yeah. not the case. There's too many other people out there with this, the same or higher degree that That's are right. that are making you know I'll, I I couldn't believe that you know even in today's time there's people that have bachelor's degrees that are making sixteen dollars an hour with seven years eight years experience in in a field where they yeah. should be getting paid at least double that. 
Our son Colin, our youngest boy, uh, he he goes to George Fox uh, University, and he's made uh, he's a music major, and he just completed his second year, and he's out there. And he says the same thing. All these guys graduating with business degrees, and nobody's getting hired. Um, but he's out there. I mean, he's he's been working to pay for his gas to get up there and back. He's he he worked every weekend at 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 uh, local a grocery chain. Uh, hated it. But he knew he had to pay for his gas. We're not paying for it. Right. Um, he is studying right now to be state certified for, for his life insurance and property insurance license because he's gonna he's gonna use that to help pay off any student loans. And you know he's gonna continue to sell insurance or be a broker even when he's a professor because there's a certain period of time when you don't teach. You know, throughout the year, you prepare for the next year, right. but you need income. Right. So he gets it, man. He's like, you know, you got you you, you got to stay fluid. You got to stay mobile. You got to be working. You got to do, and it's grueling. He came to me the other day and he goes, "I cannot. Believe, I am studying harder for my insurance license than I have for my master's in music." Wow. You know, but it's a necessity, and he also one of the reasons that he's doing this insurance thing is because he recognizes that in so many cases, insurance is almost like legalized theft and people are getting ripped off. And he's working with a mentor right now that are, they're really in it to help people not get ripped off. So he's, it's beyond just a job for him. He wants to help other people. That's great. And I'm like, wow, that is commendable. You just don't hear that that often. Right. It's, it's funny. Cause I just, uh, I was, filling something out, trying to get some information, and they, this insurance thing came up alongside it and said, would you like to lower your car insurance rate? You could pay as little as $39 a month. So I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? I'll I'll check it out. Yeah. Man, my phone's been blowing up. Yeah. I don't know how much for the last <laughs> three days, and every single one of them is like twice as much as what I'm paying now. Oh, yeah. And I'm like... You're right. Uh, they're like, we can save you $500 a year. I'm like, no, you can't. I'm paying that yeah. for two cars. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying this is just for the one car. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah. But I, I and I think that's great. I mean, I, I, I commend your son for doing that because yeah. there, there has to be more of us that that do that. We, we have to come. You know, we have to be kingdom-centered. You know, we have to look at um, how we're helping the next guy or the next girl mm-hmm. or the next child mm-hmm. to come up. You know, it's our it's our job to teach our children to do the right thing no matter what uh, so that they can, you know, continue on with doing the right thing. Right. Sure. There's <clears throat> too many – I don't know. I just – I don't even try not to even watch the news anymore because it's just full of just nonsense. Yeah. But uh, I found that my life has been so much more fulfilling uh, because I'm God-centered, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Uh, than I was the whole, you know. Self-centered, self-motivated. 25 or 28 years of working yeah. for myself. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because I was always in that mode, too, the get-rich-quick scheme mode. It's like something would come along, and I'd be like, yep, you know, I got involved with real estate, you know, and uh, it kind of went sideways. It wasn't wasn't my fault, but that was 
was going to go and flip houses and be rich by the time I was 35 and retire. So your motivation was <clears throat> to get rich quick. Yeah, I wanted to sit. I wanted to relax. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I also know that, you know, I had actually got to the point where I went and I earned my spot. I did my paid my dues. <clears throat> um, and there are, there's some discouragement once you pay your dues. You still get some people that want to still pay you at a lower wage. So you got to go out there, and I look at it this way: you got to go find the, the, some God-centered people. Uh, that are doing business that are willing to treat people fairly, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I would I would always bring some people on when I uh, when I was hiring people, and I'd say, "Look, we'll start you out at ten bucks an hour, and then you prove to me that you can do the job, and and we'll we'll bump you up." I'm I'm, I'm fair about that. Um, and you're not going to find those kind of people by filling an application out and then going home and sitting by the phone. <laughs> Right. <laughs> What'd you do today to look for work? Uh, I filled out an application online. Right. I never did that. Except for when there was nothing anywhere and I had to do something for to continue on with my unemployment insurance. Right. <clears throat> so um, one of the statements here is, what is the purpose of our work? The world seems to say that we work so that we can have things in great abundance, yet the scripture says that work is connected to physical sustenance. If I look at work as something to keep me going for God's work, then my focus is outward on others. If I look upon work as something to gratify my wants, then focus is inward on my own comfort. So let me play devil's advocate. What's wrong with wanting to be comfortable? Because I know somebody's asking that right now. They're going, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Right. Why can't you have both? Right. You can. Right. I mean, <clears throat> and I, I was, Pastor Mike from Minnesota, you know, if you're listening out there, hi. Um, things that he's he's said over the years, I stick in my head. It's like, there is nothing in scripture that says you can't buy a hot rod. Right. Or a Harley Davidson motorcycle. Sure. You, you you can't have a nice house. You can have the bigger it house just, than you have now. You just have to take care of what God gives you. There you go. You have to help other people, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't your life isn't focused on those things, right? You know, and uh, it's funny how uh, God provides us with the comfort things mm-hmm. uh, when we least expect it. If we're doing God's work and we're doing the next right thing. Yeah. We're helping others. Yeah. We're putting others first. And in turn, um, we're serving God's kingdom, right? So and in turn, uh, God's kingdom provides for us. Right. You know? Right. It, it happened, uh, I was just listening to the story, I don't know, a few weeks back, uh, one of Pastor Mike's sermons. He was talking about how, you know, he had always wanted this chopper um, and didn't get one, but later on, his... Uh, people in the congregation ended up buying one for him and giving it to him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because they, you know, he'd done so much work to help other people. Right. This is a way of, of um, sharing how much they care about him be- by giving him something that, that he, they knew he would enjoy. A lot of people mm. are, are very critical of anybody that has a lot of stuff. Right. The, and, you always hear the story about the the preacher with the brand new Cadillac, right? And, and you don't know how he got it. You don't have no idea. I mean, uh, I'm thinking of a lady that's in ministry right now. She's got a multi 
billion dollar home. And I'm always seeing posts about, you know, how could she do that? I also know that she happens to give a lot of money away to a lot of charities. And, well, the percentage isn't that much. It can't be if she's living like that. You don't know their history. You don't know anything right. about them. And, and we get very uptight sometimes. And you got to wonder what's going on in our own hearts if we're mad because somebody else has more than we have. Right? Right. That means isn't that isn't that kind of full into you know coveting? It does. My neighbor's stuff, right? Right. So I heard one time in an A meeting somebody say, "I'm learning, I'm learning to want what I already have." Yeah, it's I thought, wow, that's gratitude, great. right? Yeah, Being grateful for what you have, and yeah, grateful for what has been given to you. So the Bible says that. God will entrust you, once you've proven that you can be entrusted with the small things, then he'll entrust you with something a little bigger. Right. And then you're entrusted with that, and it's something a little bigger. Right? We did right. Take 12 Radio started out with a with a microphone from Goodwill that cost $1.75. <laughs> right? Now we have some of the most expensive microphones, podcasting microphones that you can buy. And, and they were entrusted to us through other people that donated that saw, and I'm not bragging on us, but because it's God that's done it, but they saw our determination to keep doing this thing, even in the midst of weighty responsibility and Erskine tasks, <laughs> you just keep plugging along, you keep doing it. Right. And and 14 years later, we've got some great equipment. Yeah. Uh, but you have to stay faithful to, to, to what you feel that God has called you to do. And there is going to be days when you're just saying to yourself, what the heck am I doing here? Well, keep doing it. Right. Just keep doing it, man. More will be revealed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just having the patience to wait. I know I, we and my wife were just talking about, you know, something similar to this last night. And, uh, you know, uh, there was a few times where um, – I guess a good example would be, you know, the question about tithing, you know. Mm -hmm. How should you tie? Where should you tie? You know, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so there was a period of time where I was uh, tithing uh, some money, but a lot of it was also my time uh, and things like that. Um, and... There was a few times when I had bills or something that I had to pay and I didn't have enough money to cover it uh, that I would get a check in the mail that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It happened you to bet. me a couple of times and it was exactly for the amount that I needed to cover. You know, maybe I had a few cents left over. Yeah. But, and so, uh, you know, people wondered about how, if that works and I, it does. You know, it, it does work. And it comes, it comes back to you in other ways. You know, it's a, that whole. Um, whatever you're putting out, it comes back to you tenfold. You know, so if you're putting positive uh, positivity in, out there, you're going to get it back ten times. Mm -hmm. You're putting negativity out there, you're going to get that. You're back definitely going to get it back ten times. You know, tenfold. So, you want to look at some of the responses from this question. <clears throat> um, I love TJ's uh, answer. It's very simple. I love making my guest happy. The que the question was. Why do you go to work today? And she's in the food service industry, and which is can, can be grueling 
We're talking about no 15-minute breaks, right. no, none of the legal rude stuff people. you're supposed to get. Rude people, people that are making demands. You're, you're, you're a, you got management breathing down your throat. You got the customers breathing down your throat. And you're not getting your breaks. You're not getting any thank yous. And what does she say? I love making my guests happy. That's why she goes to work today. I thought, wow. Nice. Yeah. God honors that kind of servanthood. Uh, Sabrina M. says, to help people. Uh, Guy S. says, uh, to be of service to my clients, number one. Number two, to put food on my table for my family. So there's no nothing wrong with going to work to supply for your family. All right. But look, look at the order that he puts it in, though, to be of service to my clients. And then as a result of that, he gets to put food on his table for his family. Right. James says, love my job and pay them bills. <laughs> Bobby says, force of habit? With a question mark. Right. <laughs> Uh, is one of those? Do I have to go today? Yeah. Um, let's see. Bob F says I'm not. <laughs> He's not going to work today. I worked 55 years, 30 as a drug counselor, and I'm retired. Get to do what I got paid for free. Kind of goes back to what you were saying. Yeah. Andrew H. Yesterday I came across a homeless 19 year old who has mental health conditions and has been sleeping on night buses. Uh. Today I go to work with a plan to get him housed today. Did you see the follow-up on that, though? No. He actually got him housing. Oh, he did? He did. Wow. Yeah. So that Sweet. was a successful day. It was. Right. That is a good day. Yeah. Uh, Bob B. says, because I have a job that I love, so it's not really a job. It's all part of the journey. Nice. Our buddy Denver says, because I can't tap the government yet. <laughs> Uh, Honesty is the best policy. Denver, you get this. <laughs> you better check your drawers on that yeah, one. Yeah, right. Um, he says, "Trust me, at sixty-two, in one second, I'll be on their on their doorstep. Then I can actually get up and start a day of, shall we say, what I want to accomplish work today." Uh, Marie says, "Because I have uh, bills to pay." That's honest. Peter says. Trust fund died. <laughs> so his trust fund <laughs> ran out of money. Time to get a job. Or the person that was trust right. and the money died. Died, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lee R. says, I need to be useful in my life Any support my, and support my children, pay my bills, and fun with the people I work with. I like it now. Hmm. Amen. John says, I'm retired. <laughs> well, we all have work to do. I would, you know... You're just sitting at home, staring at the wall. Yeah. That doesn't sound very uh, fulfilling. So let me ask you a question, Dave. You know, we know that if you're going from a biblical perspective, um, one of the results of rebellion in the garden was that man now had to work for a living. Uh, women have pain in childbirth. Men have to work for a living. Um, having said that, though, is your work, is it really even supposed to be enjoyable? I mean, or is that just a plus if it is enjoyable? Because I hear people say all the time, I don't want to do that. I want to do what I enjoy. Well, I think, you know, you're getting, you know, semantics here again. Because okay. when when you when I hear the word work, 
what do we actually mean? Do we actually mean your your work is right mm-hmm. going out and chopping some wood? Okay, right. Uh, moving a pile of rocks from over there to over here, right? You can look at that manual physical work. Okay. But you could, your work could also be uh, doing God's work. So it could be just going out and talking with somebody that's that's homeless, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Saying, hey, what's how are you doing? Do so you, work doesn't do necessarily need... have to be followed by a paycheck. Right. Gotcha. You know, because it's a broad term. Part of, part of what we're mandated to do uh, that I feel is that we're supposed to help people. Yeah. And we're and and part of that falls into what I learned a long time ago in recovery is I I I get to do things where I'm helping someone else without expecting anything in return. There you go. Just for the you know, the benefit of doing something for somebody else because people have done things for me. It's kind of the pay it paid forward thing. So when you're out doing God's work, you may not be getting an actual paycheck. So that's a broad term. So if you're right. carrying the message of recovery, you're doing God's work. That could be your work too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, uh, what was it? Uh, Bob? Bob F., you know? He's retired. Yeah. So now he's doing what, he's, what he loves to do for free. So it's still your work. But you're getting, you know, your payment is the satisfaction of helping somebody else. Sure. And I don't know how many times that I've gone to help other people and, and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, stay for dinner. Sure. Or, you know, come and bring you, you know, something to drink or, you know, lunch or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're, you're helping mm-hmm. somebody work on a project on at their house. Right. You know, there's there's other benefits that happen that, you know, that go way beyond monetary value. So, so we had here recently, uh, we had uh, the roof repaired on the porch right outside of the studio here and a new gutter put in. 13 years we've been putting that off. And I just happened to mention it to, to one of the leaders in Celebrate Recovery. And he, he just said, well, let's go get that done now. So he grabbed a handful of guys and they came over and they did it. So what did you learn from that? Huh? I learned that it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Don't, don't wait, have to wait so long. <laughs> don't wait 13 years for asking for help. See, and there, there's that pride thing. Oh, well, you know, I need to be able to do this myself, but I'm halfway crippled, so I can't, so I just won't ask anybody. Well, no. You, you need right. to, people. People, people want to be asked. That's another thing. People want to feel like they're needed. And some of these guys are in their first year of recovery. Right. You know? And what they get out of it? Some bad pizza, but they had a they had a blast. We had a blast that day. You know, I'm trying to pick stuff up, and they're going, "Don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. Let us do it." They were finding joy and and, and we talked about contentment last, right. last week right. in in serving other people, and that that's just a beautiful thing. We and we don't see enough of it today, right? Because you, I mean, we. We're almost, I don't know, I wouldn't say obligated, but again, it falls back into the mandate of helping someone else, helping other people, loving other people. If we do that, then they feel valued. We feel valued, right, when we right. do that. Um, if we get stuck in our, some of the old, the old mentality was, you know, if I go and help you, then I expect you to come and help me, when that doesn't necessarily is the case. Yeah. So then you stop asking for help. Uh, because 
you have resentment because they're not, you know, no one's going to help you, or mm-hmm. you're not going to go help anybody else because, you no, know, you they didn't help you or whatever. You got to look at what you know, what's your, what's your motive and what uh, what's your attitude. Sure. Because if we're going to go help other people, we got to do it. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, without expecting anything in return. And if we do that, it's that whole, you know getting back tenfold or mm-hmm. some people call it karma. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, it comes back to you and it makes it goes around, silly, comes around, but it, it yeah. happens. You reap what you sow, you, that you, kind of thing. Yeah. You got to put yourself out there. You do. Um, you got to ask for, for help. People, like you said, people want to be needed. We want to be needed. You know, I stayed stuck in isolation for, for a number of years because you know, one, I didn't feel like I need. I wanted to bother and burden anybody with my issues. Yeah. And the other part of it was, I, I don't need anybody. I can do this myself. Sure. When it was not the truth. The truth is, is that I did need other people. I did care what people thought. And so how do I break free from that, that uh, merry-go-round? Well, I put myself out there. I go offer to help someone or I go ask for help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I keep doing it. Until it becomes a uh, normal way of life. So what what advice would you give somebody whose job, and I say job, not work, whose, whose job at, at, the, at the plant or at the restaurant or wherever they, they do do their work is really very unpleasant and they're really struggling to find any good out of it. But... They're responsible. They know they got to pay their bills. They got to keep going to work. But man, they're hating life. What would you say to them? Oh, I, I think I would find, try to find uh, something positive about whatever the situation is. So make make an effort to find something yeah. there, right? And, and if you're, you know, if you're in, if you're in recovery, you know, or you know, you're a God centered person. Uh, hopefully you're not you, you don't have that attitude, but <clears throat> if you do, go find somebody else. Find somebody that needs some help. I can bet you there's somebody at your workplace that's hurt that needs some help. Yeah, yeah. And is maybe a, in a similar situation or a mindset as you. Maybe you guys can get together and try to lift each other up. You know, try to find something that you can engage with. Maybe some people at work outside of work. That is enjoyable. So the, the next time you go to work, you can say, "Hey, you know, hey, Joe, Fred, how you what's doing? up? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, man. Well, that was a blast yesterday. You know, we yeah. can't, I can't wait to do it again. You know. So you tapped into something that the twelve step movement has been preaching for years, and that is, in order to get out of your funk, <clears throat> help somebody else that's in one. Right, and that's that's what changed uh, everything for me. Yeah. Right. Because we go back to our first show. Right. You can you can find that on Podomatic. On Podomatic. Right? Yeah. Or, or YouTube. Yeah. Uh, it's the only thing you have to change is everything. Right. For me, it was uh, it was isolation, and it was a, trying to stay away from people. Yeah. So I did the opposite. So I had to go and engage with people. So I had to go find people uh, that needed some help. Yeah. Or find people that were willing to help and say, "Hey, I need some help." You know, yeah. I don't know. Just, I don't know, just thinking about all that. It's just amazing how uh, God changed my life. And many just times, just by changing my attitude. 
many times, most of the time, God doesn't change our circumstances. He changes us. Right. Our circumstances pretty much stay the same. Um, he changes us. I mean, when I went to prison for for six months for being just a wonderful citizen, right? <laughs> he blessed me there. I could not believe the blessings that I received there in the midst of the ugliness. Right. You know, and it changed me. And it, it, it did something in me to cause me to go back after I got out and take the message of recovery in there. Right. Same I mean, thing happened to me. My whole life changed while I was sitting in that cell. Right. I mean, that's where God, I mean, that's where from God meets us because we're broken enough and we're a captive audience. <clears throat> yep. That will, uh, you know, will we'll do it. And yeah, that's where, that's where I changed too. Well, we're out of time. Any closing thoughts? Have a great day. All right. Go help someone else. Go help somebody else. So our closing song today is kind of weird. Uh-oh. It, but it's, it's all about work. Uh-oh. All right, you ready for this? No. Here we go. I'm a lab technician for a leading pharmaceutical company, but I was born with a gift. That gift is to sing. Working nine to five. Everybody's working for the Um... I'm going to need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay? Work and work. Keep those bags and machines coming. Work and work. Working in a coal mine. Going down, down, down. Working in a coal mine. Oh, oh, and I almost forgot. Uh, I'm also going to need you to go ahead and come in on Sunday, too. That's the sound of the men working on the chain gang. Now you're all in my employ, cleaning in the factory. This work is unsatisfactory. I got work, baby. I got work to do. I got a job, I think she needs to get a job. No. <laughs> I think she needs to get a job. No, she says. Oh, well, hey, listen, whatever your motivation is for doing anything, I'll hope that you'll double check it uh, with with the good Lord and, and uh, do things, everything as unto God. Uh, I know it will benefit you. It'll benefit others. And it'll make the world a whole heck of a lot more pleasant to be living in. Listen, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with my co-host, Dave Fleming. And we're reminding you that because of his grace and his kindness and his holy motivation, we are entitled to overcome. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.